I just kept doing stuff. Like people say, if you don't know, like with real estate, just dive in and start doing stuff. And I did. And I made some mistakes. But boy, my theme song was Miss Independent for a while. (laughs) And I just learned how to do stuff and ask questions and started reading. Welcome to The Fi Show, where you get a behind-the-scenes look into financial independence. Here's your host, Cody and Justin. Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Fi Show, but I could not be doing this thing solo, so what's up, Justin? Not much, man. Just got back from Nashville, Tennessee. Took my mom out doing some backpacking, so, you know, I'm a good son. And uh, you need (laughs) to be thinking me, because I actually just turned down my ex-landlord for some free drinks tonight so I could record this podcast. Wow, Justin, you are seriously touching my heart. And it's awesome that you did that for your mom because I hope that everybody didn't forget that this past weekend was Mother's Day. And so that brings us to our guest today, someone very near and dear to me. It was actually Justin's suggestion. So thanks, Justin. This is going to be a lot of fun. And welcome to the show, My Mom. So I was raised by parents that were a lot, a lot older than other parents. My mom was... 41 when she had me, 43 when she had my younger brother. My dad was 57 with me, 59 with my brother. So everybody thought they were my grandparents. And obviously, they lived through the Depression. And that really affected the way that I grew up. My mom, I guess she had kind of the scarcity mindset because of that. You could open any cabinet and there would be like, no kidding, like 20 jellos, like 50 Campbell's soup cans. It was crazy. (laughs) So they instilled a lot of frugality and we never wasted anything. My dad opened bank accounts for us and taught us about money. So them being raised in the Great Depression, so they've got that scarcity mindset. But what about like their professions? Like what kind of income level were you at as a child? So my mom was a stay-at-home mom always. And my dad was a Christmas tree farmer. So he got all of his money in one month. So they were very good at budgeting. They were very, very frugal. So we lived in a house that had been passed down through the generations. So there was no mortgage, not a whole lot of bills. So what does a Christmas tree farmer do the other 11 months? A lot of people don't know this, but there's a lot of mowing. You have to trim the trees. There are vines that grow up around them that you have to clip by hand. I feel like this is one of those jobs, though, where he's probably out like fishing half the time and just telling <laughs> your mom, like, no, it's a tough day. Like, you don't even want to come out here. This is... <laughs> so I'm actually curious. Let's take it back to like when you were a teenager or in college. Did you like as you started to actually earn money, did you hold on to that frugality? Like, did you have an 80 percent savings rate living at home or living in the dorms or commuting to college? I did not spend money at all. And were you earning money? Like, when did you actually start earning a decent income? Oh, God. I always had like these weird, odd jobs. I think my first job was at a printing press in a guy's basement. Like, I would come (laughs) home covered in ink and I used to print. You know, when you go to a pizza store and they have the, we called them pizza pads, and you'd order something and they would check off, you know, cheese, pepperoni, blah, blah, blah. I printed those with my own bare hands. (laughs) What is it that you went to college for? Oh, so I went to college. I started out as a music major and lasted one term because it wasn't fun when they made you do it. 
And then I went into exercise and nutrition and I absolutely loved it. So I did two years at a private college and then I transferred to a state school, which was a lot less money. And then after that, I did a year of massage school. Was there any student debt coming out of that? Did your parents help pay for that? How'd that work? So my parents paid for all of my college. That was just how they were raised. But I did, after I got a solid job doing massages, after I graduated, I did pay him back like $10,000, even though he didn't want me to. So coming out of school as someone who transitioned from music to health and nutrition, first job is massage therapy, right? Out of college, I no, out of college first, I was an exercise instructor, which I hated because I'm a massive introvert and being in front of a class <laughs> was just hard. But after massage school, then, yeah, that was my first job doing massage. Okay. I was just curious, actually, in terms of career trajectory, like if you came out and immediately started searching for a health and fitness job and maybe you couldn't find one, it sounds like you just didn't really enjoy it. It was, yeah, it was hard. I was a like a personal trainer for like a year and then I did like uh, health testing. We used to do like cholesterol, finger stick things, that kind of stuff. And I got to tell you a funny story. The big <laughs> tough guys, they see a little tiny needle. They're the ones that pass out. And so, and what age did you have yours truly here? Or when did you, what age did you have your first kids or Cody? When did that start happening? I don't even remember what age I was. I, you know, <laughs> I honestly, like early. I think we should be able to figure it out between the two of you. I think you're 30. That, was <laughs> I think I you 30 were 30. With you? Yeah. Okay. So what were you doing at the time when you had me? Or right before, I guess that makes more sense. <laughs> Let's see. I was working, doing massage therapy at a chiropractor's office. Was I doing anything else? I think that was it. And anywhere along that way, had you discovered like anything beyond frugality, like to the point of, you know, getting deeper into investing? Way back, I think this was in the 80s, there was a thing called dividend reinvestment plans, DRIPS. And I would actually send a, I would have to write a check for each company, like a stock. And I would like, I had a Ford and like a, maybe five different companies. And I would write a check each month to them and send it in because you didn't have to pay any fees by doing it that way. And where did you get that idea from? Like I, I think I read about it somewhere. <laughs> That's awesome. I didn't even know that. So you literally just read about it yep. and you just took action immediately with no qualms or... Hell yeah. I'm Cody's mom. <laughs> <laughs> Just let me put this check in the mail and see what happens. <laughs> well, that's actually pretty cool. Okay. I, I didn't even know that. And then so as you're progressing, you're 30, you started becoming a stay-at-home mom after I was born, right? Yeah. I still worked part-time doing massage and I was also a boxing fitness instructor. And you did some bodybuilding? Yep. <laughs> couple of years of that. So I guess it's fitting for me to ask, this is a question that we get so much and people are like, how do I get my kids to be raised the right way? Like, how do I get them to care about money? What are the tips and strategies to get them involved in finances? And I think you did an awesome job with myself and Sam, but I'd love if you could talk about some of the tactics that you used to just make us value money and realize the power of compound interest and saving and frugality. I think by far example is the biggest thing and just how you talk about money you guys, if you wanted clothes, you kind of knew that we were going to go to the clearance rack at the end of the store. Like you just, you know, you'd walk in and just head to the clearance rack because that's what we did. So a lot of it is example. And then this is kind of a weird thing. It's not really related to money. But so I knew that screen time 
kids can just get crazy with too much screen time. So we did this thing with these colorful popsicle sticks where each popsicle stick was worth 10 minutes of screen time and you had to earn a popsicle stick by doing like math puzzles. And there's a thing called puzzle mania. So you guys had your little cups full of popsicle sticks and that would earn your time. And you thought it was pretty cool until you realized all your other friends didn't do that. (laughs) (laughs) So one thing, you know, my mom's not here to kind of tell her side of it. But one thing my mom did was I think the term now is like gamify things like that's pretty common tactic in a lot of a lot of stuff now where, you know, businesses, whether it's um, even like health related stuff, you know, they put points around it and they make a game out of it. And so I feel like that's kind of what me and my mom did. It was just more of a challenge, more of a game to figure out how do you did something for the least amount of money. Like we took that as a badge of honor. Now we didn't actually have like a true point system, like where it was a winner or a loser, but that was just always a, a drive we had because we, we really didn't have much money at all. And there was one point where my mom went back to school to cosmetology school because she was a, uh, she worked in a furniture factory. They tried to move her to a, a lane where she was having to do some pretty intense like uh, manual labor and it was really rough on her so she decided she wanted to go back to school get her cosmetology stuff uh, certification and so but that meant going for the better part of a year with zero income and she was raising me as a single mom so it was like i had a uncle who worked at a, a grocery store would go and get us the five pound tubes of ground beef when they ran out of date and we'd grab those and just cook up <laughs> some noodles you know like it was but it was fun to me like as a kid i don't know i just took to it and really enjoyed it I think a couple of more things definitely tried to instill just a love of learning in general. We had like, what were those things called? Turbo twists and uh, all these like puzzle fun things that gave you rewards and bells and whistles and whatnot. And they liked those. Well, when Justin said gamify, I had two things that came to mind. Maybe you can shed some more light on this is catching leaves and running laps around the house. <laughs> oh God. So how much did I pay? Okay. So in the fall, when the leaves come down, it's pretty challenging to catch a leaf as it falls. And so I would, what was it? A penny? How much did I pay you? For I think, leaves? I think we haggled you up to like five cents, but we yeah, were also like did. six years old. <laughs> yeah. And then also in the winter, I wanted them to be active. So we had kind of a, a house that was laid out that you kind of do laps around the tables. So I used to pay them a penny a lap. And I remember one time they got like a dollar. <laughs> it was yeah. such a big deal. My granddad was a, a sort of small time farmer. And I mean, not real big time. But anyways, like he would be out bush hogging and he would have like watermelons and stuff for sale out on a picnic table. And my grandmother, when he would leave, would be like, if somebody pulls up, go out there and make a sale, you know, go out there and sell something to him and then just keep the money and hide it. And of course, <laughs> my granddad, because he kept tabs on everything, like he had books and notes about everything. He would come up and he would know a watermelon or something was gone. And he's coming after me and my grandmother's, you know, acting like nothing's happened. But so not my mom, but my grandmother used to put me up to some stuff too, selling watermelons to whoever drove up the driveway. That just reminded me of something. My parents, we had a really big garden. And my dad wanted us to learn how to make money. So we had a picnic table and we live on kind of a busy street. And we would set up the picnic table with all the vegetables and stuff that we had grown and sell stuff for like 25 cents. And we had to make the change ourselves. And that was a pretty good learning experience. Is there anything that you've seen other parents do that you feel like is kind of a bad tactic? Hmm. I've gone back and forth with the allowance thing. I kind of don't like it. Cody and Sam had chores that if they wanted to, they could earn money. But just like giving an allowance, we didn't do that. What's the reason though? I don't know. It didn't seem earned. It seemed like, here's some money. 
it doesn't give you any sense of accomplishment to getting. My mom would have to watch me because she would give me lunch money and I would just like not eat just so I could have the money. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. I can totally see that, Justin. All right. So as Sam and I, that's my brother, are getting older, what are some of the things that you started doing when we actually started to earn money? Like, I don't know if you can think that far back. I know I can kind of think our first side hustle was $5 an hour at the disc golf shop. Do you remember any specific things that you did in terms of like reinforcing savings or frugality or investing or anything like that? I know that you had the daddy match up until you were how old? (laughs) 10. That was when we started working at the disc golf shop. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because then he's like, I'm not matching that. (laughs) (laughs) And what was that for people who don't know? The daddy match was anything that you would save would get matched 100%. Dang. So $20 from grandma would turn into 40 overnight, and I thought I was a rock star. <laughs> I think that would have been too rich for my parents' blood. I don't think they would have, because I saved everything I could get my hands on. Oh, God. <laughs> like, literally, I remember, like, adults having conversations with me as a little kid, being like, you need to, like, enjoy things a little bit, because I would just hoard everything I could get my hands on. So I think one of the recurring themes I'm seeing with us three is that we're, like, super weird, frugal people, and we also enjoy making money in weird ways, and... I know that you've had quite a few jobs, mother. So could you talk about some of the other side hustles, jobs, things you've done to make money? Because you've done like so many different things. So in the past, you mean? Yeah, let's go. It's chronological. Oh my gosh, <laughs> this is going to be hard. So you get the printing press, aerobic instructor, boxing fitness instructor. I don't know what you call that. Doing health screening, I guess. Massage therapy. I've done landscaping. I take care of my, right now, I take care of my elderly uncle. That's kind of my most time consuming job right now. Oh, I do wine tasting. No, I don't taste the wine. I give it out to other people to taste. <laughs> Clinical studies I'm getting into. I'm doing one right now where I have to wear an Apple watch and take my temperature every morning and answer a little 10 second survey. And at the end of six months, they're giving me $2,000. So that's pretty cool. Then I'm doing a sleep study. I'm actually going the end of May to go for the initial sleep. And they just make sure that you don't have any major conditions like sleep apnea or anything. But at the, it's a long involved thing, but at the end of that one, $7,000. And how are you finding those? It's actually kind of tricky at first to figure out how to find something that fits you. And I'm actually thinking about doing a blog thing on that or something someday. So one thing I'm curious about is, you know, you got Cody, he's doing some kind of crazy things for most people. He's currently doing this podcast from a van. Is there anything the way he's living his life and the way he's looking to try to retire so early that as a mother scares you? Oh, God, no. I think (laughs) it is absolutely awesome. And I remember when I started showing him like uh, Mr. Money Mustache articles And he got it. And I was like, yes. (laughs) And other family members are very skeptical about what Cody's doing. And, you know, oh, is he going to be okay? I know he's going to be totally fine. And Well, thanks for the mom hype. (laughs) (laughs) But something that you mentioned there was just like Mr. Money Mustache. And I know that, especially in recent years, I don't know when this started, you kind of started getting into like the self-betterment type people. Like Mr. Money Mustache, obviously that's personal finance, self-betterment, but you're also like a Tim Ferriss fan. I know you listen to like Peter Thiel and like all these types of people who are just all about self-betterment, no matter what facet of your life it's in. When did you really start getting into that type of stuff? I've really been getting into it probably the past two, three years. 
And before that, I was just kind of, you know, dabbling in it. But now I'm obsessed. <laughs> but what kickstarted that? I don't know. Everybody in this community is kind of in a lot of people are in the same mindset. Like health is very important to them, frugality, love of learning, board games for whatever reason. Yeah. And one thing that I've always noticed is that you've been able to kind of minimize the big costs anyway. You've been able to at least like subsidize part of your housing or living expenses. I'd love if you could just talk and shed some light on some of the things you've done to eliminate some of those big expenses. So I actually live in my absolute dream house. It's a log cabin and it's rather large, which was not exactly my doing. But if I had it to do again, I would go a little smaller. But the good thing about that is that I was able to make a really nice apartment out of part of the house, has its own entrance, kitchenette, loft, and bedroom. And so I guess I'm kind of a landlord too. So that's <laughs> nice passive income. House hacking. Yep. <laughs> Another thing I did is put solar on the roof. And we have a very big roof. I think I wrote it down here. How many panels do I have? 34 panels, which is pretty big. So right now, I've had it for three years. I have an $800 credit when I get my electric bill, which is pretty cool. Per year? No, cumulative. Over okay. the past three years, it's accumulated to like 800 okay. bucks. So going back a little bit, I know you said that you made a decision to swap from a private school to a state school. So when it came time for the kids to go to college, how did you approach You know, what type of college they went to, paying for it, and just how did that all unfold? Well... We knew that we wanted to let them go wherever they wanted to, and it actually worked out totally, totally awesome. Cody wanted to do finance, and his brother wanted to do engineering. And Cody was going to go to Bentley, which is very expensive. Um, he did get good scholarship money, but still compared to its state school, it was like way more. And then his brother, Sam was going to go to, is it Northeast or Northeastern? Northeastern, yeah. Yeah, Northeastern, which is a very expensive private school. And both of them on their own said, you know what? It's really not worth all that extra money. And they both decided to go to UMass in Amherst, which has excellent engineering and math. And at that point, I was like, hallelujah, I raised them right. <laughs> <laughs> and is this extra money that they were like, you know, this isn't worth spending. Was that going to be their money or was it going to be your money? Actually, they knew that we were paying for it. So that's when I really was like, wow, these guys are awesome. Did you decide to give them a cut of it <laughs> since they saved you so much? <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing is, like, my dad used to always say, oh, we'll figure it out. Like, we'll figure out how to pay for it. And I'm like, they're not going to be able to pay 30000 to $40,000 a year. Like, even if they do, I don't want them to have to take out debt. Like, take out, imagine I have to take out, like, a HELOC to pay my college bill <laughs> just because, like, they're trying to be well, good parents. Like, yeah. people do do it. Exactly. But I could go to UMass for literally 80% discount of that private school. So it seemed like a no-brainer. I didn't want debt. I didn't want them to have to struggle and take on debt. So it seemed like the rational choice at the time. When I was getting ready to go to college, I remember talking to both of my parents and was like, so, you know, what is it that I have to work with? Like, what do what is the delta I need to try to figure out? And they, they were both just, the answer was zero. I mean, there, there was no real response other than like, what are you talking about? So I had to, you know, same thing. I had to kind of figure out all the scholarships and things to make my way through. But anyways, my, I don't think my parents had quite thought about it as much or prepared for it quite as much. Well, enough about the college subjects. That's over and done with. But one thing I really want to commend you for, Mother, 
And something that I really respected about you is, so my parents got divorced when I was 14. I was a freshman in high school. And ever since then, my mom has just become like this super independent rock star. Like she goes out and she'll shovel the entire driveway by herself for fun, or she'll go out and leaf blow the entire lawn by herself for fun. She'll go and mow the lawn. Like she's just crushing it on all fronts. And I think I've honestly noticed like a stark transition in the way that you just look at life in terms of like, I can do this. I don't need, um, I don't need no man to help me. Like, I don't know exactly how to frame it, but I'd love to, for you to talk about like the mindset shift and how that affected you. I feel like you just took on like a completely new independent role. Wow. I actually, so my ex Alan was in charge of all finance stuff. I didn't even know, you know, what bills were paid each month and how things worked and he did everything. So when we got divorced, I was totally freaked out. Like, I don't know how to do anything. And I just slowly, I mean, I made some mistakes. Like one was, I didn't know you were supposed to clean your oil burner and it went, I mean, oil, what do you call the thing? Anyway, the oil burner is supposed to be cleaned every year and I didn't do it for 10 years. <laughs> so but like, I just kept doing stuff. Like people say, if you don't know, like with real estate, just dive in and start doing stuff. And I did. And I made some mistakes. But boy, my theme song was Miss Independent for a while. <laughs> and I just <laughs> learned how to do stuff and ask questions and started reading. We're going to have to get like a mom date going because so my parents got divorced when I was eight. And my mom is like, you remind me so much of her. She is super independent. Like she just does everything on her own. Like don't try to grab her bags and tote them in for her. You know, like she is <laughs> she is super independent. So we'll have to get you guys synced up. Definitely. Awesome. I just think that's such a recurring theme in the community too, Justin. Like all the people we interview, most of them have their success not because they were given or like some guru told them to do something. It's because they literally just like jumped out and tried it. You know what I mean? Like most people mess up. I've messed up so many times. I'm sure you have Justin. My mom has too. <laughs> and, but it's like, it's all those mess ups that kind of like craft and mold you into the person you are. And like, obviously those mistakes compound and eventually usually good things come out of them. I think it's just such a cool thing about this whole five community. Everyone's like that. And speaking of that, I'm reading a book right now that I know other people in the FI community have read called Mindset by Carol Dweck. And it talks about the growth versus the fixed mindset. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is what Cody tells me all the time. <laughs> <laughs> like, of course you can do that, mom. Yeah, just for some context, I'm always telling my mom, like, you should do this side hustle. You should do that side hustle. Obviously, I'm super connected and driven. And like, I'm always, I'm all about doing all these different side hustles. And she's always like, oh, I don't know how to do that. I'm not talented enough. I'm like, you've learned like so many things over these past, wow, what is it? Nine years just by doing them. Like, and all of a sudden you have this like limited mindset and it just didn't make sense to me. But I'm, I'm really glad you're reading this book and adopting, what is it called? The growth mindset. That's awesome. So, so far in the interview, you know, we've talked a lot about you and a, a lot of positive things, but I would be remiss if I didn't ask, since I have the subject matter expert on here, can you give me some weird Cody stories? <laughs> oh, boy. So when Cody and Sam, they were probably like three and four. And you know how kids do the Easter egg hunt? You give them each a basket and they go around and find the Easter eggs. And there's his younger brother, Sam, just getting the eggs out of the thing. And we have this on film, I believe. And Cody is sort of behind him grabbing the eggs out of Sam's basket and putting it in his own. <laughs> Smarter, not harder. <laughs> yeah. And then there was a Mother's Day where they wanted to bring me breakfast in bed. So on the box, they were going to make me waffles. 
on the box, it says, I think it says toast or microwave or something. Well, they microwave them for like, I'm going to say at least 10 minutes. <laughs> I had to choke them down. <laughs> that's all the ammo you got on me? Yeah. <laughs> that's that's a pretty clean record if that's the worst you got. Yeah, I was going to say, that sounds pretty good. I'm I'm happy. I could go with that one thing that... uh. All right, so let's take mistakes from a different angle. If you could go back, we kind of went through your entire timeline, went through a bunch of your side hustles, your whole story, your story of raising us. If you could go back and talk to yourself, maybe when you're my age, <laughs> what would you be saying and what things would you be doing differently? Definitely, I would have saved a lot more earlier. Like, I didn't even know about compound interest, really. I just knew about saving. So definitely saved earlier. I would have built a smaller log cabin. This one is pretty big. <laughs> I would have probably gone into medical research. I'm very like analytical and the, just that kind of mindset. Or the other two things I kind of was toying with was being an EMT or a nutritionist. And I know I could probably still do those, but I'm almost 53. So. <laughs> <laughs> Early retirement, right? <laughs> yeah. So we've covered your whole background in the past, and I kind of ask about looking forward in the future. So what does retirement look like for you? Is there like timelines, financial milestones you're looking at? Just what is what do you envision retirement as? So I'm one of those people that doesn't do a budget just because I'm so naturally frugal that I'm not going to, you know, I don't even need to do a budget. But I don't, because of like the divorce and stuff that happened, I'm probably not going to retire terribly early, but I think I can work, you know, I don't have to work 40 hours a week, maybe after I'm 60, but I have a few side hustle things in the works. Like what? So I have some land, like 17 acres next to the house, and I am trying to figure out what to do with that to make some extra money because it's kind of hilly. So planting some kind of crops or I could even sell a couple of house lots. That's one thing. My boyfriend and I do swing dancing and I also sing. So we were thinking of packaging something for nursing homes where we could go in and do the old style of dancing they would know and then go do a sing-along with all of their songs from the era that they know. I might go back and get a two-year nursing degree. Uh, that's it. Well, the cool thing about having a personal finance podcast is that we have 2,000 plus people who could chime in and maybe give you some ideas for a 17 acre land side hustle. So <laughs> this is us asking you, the audience, send my mom some ideas and make her rich. <laughs> <laughs> One thing I did do though with the land is I did a forestry management program where they come in and they only cut some of the trees, but I made $6,000. There you go. That ain't bad. Mm -hmm. You could set up like a paintball course. You got all kinds of things you could do with it. It's very hilly, but yeah, that would work. Ruth, thanks for coming on. And I've got to say, even though it's late, happy Mother's Day. And we've really enjoyed your story. We've enjoyed the insights of your family and especially Cody. But if people want to learn more about you or just want to ask you questions, where's the best place to reach you? I don't have a blog or podcast or anything. So I guess email. All right, mom. We always ask all of our guests. So I got to ask you, what is your number one tip for someone trying to achieve financial independence? I guess keep track of everything that you spend. And I used to think that I did until I really, really, really tried doing it. And there's stuff that just slips through the cracks if you don't keep track of every penny. I still have an app on my phone. It's called iExpenseIt. And every penny I spend, 
goes on that app. And so I can track where everything goes. Okay, Ruth, this is now time for the wild card question. And this is something I have literally not been preparing for. Cody's not prepared for it. So you're obviously not prepared for it. But as best you can, are you ready? Uh, yeah. Okay, so you've talked a lot about all this performance stuff you like to get into. If you were going to be on America's Got Talent, what would your performance be? What song or what? I don't know. Like, What's your whole routine? Are you, are you dancing? Are you singing? What's the song choice? Oh, God. I would sing, and I don't know what song I would sing. <laughs> How does a singer not know any songs to sing? <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> I'm nervous. Just for some context, she was a professional singer for 14 years, and she doesn't have a single song. <laughs> <laughs> I would sing some sappy ballad, I guess. All right. Well, I'm going to personally say thank you for being an awesome mom, coming on the podcast. Happy Mother's Day, even though we're two days late here. And yeah, just thanks for spreading all the knowledge about your life, my life, <laughs> sharing some dirty deets, even though the stories weren't too bad. I can live with them. And happy Mother's Day. Thank you, Cody. Nice to be on. Well, Cody, that was definitely a special episode and a very fun episode. Thank you for bringing your mom on the show. What'd you think about it? Yeah, it was a lot of fun. It took me some convincing and some teeth pulling. I wouldn't call it teeth pulling, but she had like five pages of notes written. She was texting me all week. She was definitely nervous, but I was super grateful she came on, shared her story. Now you guys get to see a little bit of why I am the way I am because I have a crazy frugal mom who also likes to side hustle. (laughs) So it was a lot of fun. Yeah. I mean, you know, she talked about how her dad and her parents grew up in the Great Depression and that gave them that scarcity mindset. But I also thought it was kind of interesting how you know, she said her dad was a Christmas tree farmer, which is kind of an odd job and is probably a reason why she's so comfortable with odd jobs and so comfortable with you going after odd jobs. Yeah. I mean, I'm really lucky that my mom's supportive because pretty much 80% of people who hear what I'm doing are not supportive. They're like, Cody, you're such an idiot. You quit corporate banking. Like you're not going to make it. <laughs> like you can't make money online or be a digital nomad. It's not a real thing. But my mom's always been there in my corner, which is super, super cool. And you guys could tell that she was cheerleading me on a little bit in the episode. Obviously, always the first one to comment on a blog or podcast, (laughs) being the mom cheerleader and embarrassing me. But I am grateful for her, and she's been awesome. You know, things like this show and all the great blogs out there, it's great. We're getting information out there, but you're normally targeting people who are kind of maybe already in college or post-college. And this just shows how important it is to start those lessons early. I mean, when kids are five, six, all the way through high school, having that education in the home and having those skills practiced way early on, because that way you then make the right decisions at college and you get to a point where like you are, you know, 23, 24, and you're already so far ahead of the game. Whereas, you know, a lot of people, unfortunately, they get to college, they make a lot of mistakes. And it's not until after they get out of college and saddled with a ton of college debt that they even start considering it. Absolutely. I would love to see young Justin and young Cody getting expired meat from their uncle and running around in circles catching <laughs> leaves. <laughs> Oh, so the weirdest thing I ever did for money was my grandmother would pay me one penny to pull gray hairs out of her head while my cousin was in summer school. So <laughs> what? Uh, yeah, that was a tough dollar. That was a tough dollar. Did she? <laughs> I was going to say, did she have a lot of grays? Yeah, she had plenty. She had plenty for to earn the money. But still, it's a, I know it's weird. I know it's weird. And another thing that. Whoa, what is it, Cody? It's the call to action, man. And so this is a Mother's Day special. To all you folks out there who are lucky enough to have a mom, whether you like her, whether you don't, send her a text, tell her you love her. If you have a guardian that you love or an aunt or an uncle, send them a text. This is all about spreading the love. Justin and I wanted to do this special episode, Mother's Day. So that's the call to action today. Nice and easy.
Definitely love that call to action, Cody, and love this entire episode. And if you enjoyed this episode and want to kind of go through all those show notes and maybe even contact Ruth to pick her brain on what it's like raising one of these money-crazy people like Cody, then you can do that over at thefyshow.com slash Ruth. And if you want to be a part of this awesome community that we have going on that Ruth is a big part of, you can do that over at thefyshow.com slash community. We really appreciate those reviews. The more reviews, those five-star reviews we get, the better guests we can get on, and it's just inspiration for us. And as always, thanks for listening. See you on next week's episode of The Fi Show. Uh, That's the most mom email address. (laughs) Like, you know, when you get like a business card and it's got an email address like that on it, you just like burn it. Like you don't even look at it.